Hello, Sinister Citizens, and welcome to another episode of Sinister Soup, um, the show where we talk about genre fiction through the lens of ridiculous conversation, uh, goofiness, sometimes trivia, dice rolling, so much. We do so much. Uh, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Travis Vermont. And uh, I'm Clay Vermont. I, I kind of thought you were going to roll with that voice all the way through the intro, and now I'm a little bummed that you didn't no. do it. No, I'm not. I, I, I kind of just wanted to tease it. Just a little teaser, just so you guys know, Travis has some vocal versatility. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm trying out for my, my audiobook reading career. Yeah, there you go. There we go. There you go. You do that Michael Kramer, very somber. Yeah. <laughs> we love Michael Kramer. Michael show. Kramer rocks. I, I wish my voice was as beautiful as Michael Kramer. Yeah, so do I. His voice. But it's not. Uh, if it was, this show would be a hell of, of a lot better. <laughs> but it's good how it is. It's and good what, enough. What it is, <laughs> is bringing culture, bringing books, talks, Books talks. Oh my gosh. Book Bringing talks. articulate descriptions. Articulate descriptions. See, Michael Kramer would have never made that mistake. Anyway, you know, the first thing we do every show mm-hmm. is bring some culture. What do you got, Clay? I am going to bring some interesting culture today. It's a, a little different than most of the things I've brought in the past. It's a new counseling operation, therapist practice, private mm-hmm. practice. It's opening up here in Everett, Washington, and it's going to be called Journey Bound Counseling. Woo! Uh, Journey Bound Counseling is going to be adventure and experiential based learning and therapeutic practice. It's uh, centered around getting people outdoors and getting people out into their own communities um, using public spaces and creating, fostering communities and useful public spaces that they can then use forever, even after they graduate from uh, needing therapy or attending therapy regularly. So, you know, teaching people who may have social anxieties and stuff like that, that, yeah, they may uh, have a hard time being social and going out in the world, but that doesn't mean they can't be a part of their community and use those public spaces like the library or even the grocery store is a hard place to go for some people. Journey Bound Counseling plans to use, uh, plans to take people climbing, hiking, uh, doing all kinds of really cool things, and also exploring the social aspects of activities like D&D and the therapeutic aspects of things like D&D and just games. So it's a really cool idea. It's an awesome practice. And I'm glad it's getting brought into the world. So, yeah, if you're in the Washington area and you're, you know, you're looking for a different way to do therapy, that practice will be around pretty soon and, and you should be looking out for it. It's it's uh, it's not quite open its doors for business yet, but it'll be open for business uh, this summer. So, yeah, something to know about, something to look into and something I think it would be cool if if more people did it. Yeah, it's a super amazing idea, and I also think something, it's weird that I haven't seen as much of it around. I've seen it in ministry practices, in several mm-hmm. different types of religions of like, you know, spiritual walking exercises and getting outside. I've never seen game theory kind of stuff, so it's cool. I, 
uh, when you described it to me and when I kind of read over what it was on the website, it was really, I was like, man, this is awesome. Why have I never heard of something like this? Yeah. I mean, I guess the stuff, there's practices out there doing it, but it gets bogged down a lot in like uh, summer camp, a mm. summer camp kind of vibe mm-hmm. where that's not really what it is. There's some similarities, but this is much deeper than, or maybe not deeper is the right word, but this is much more, this is much more uh, founded on like therapeutic practice mm-hmm. and using the experiential and using these experiences outside in the community uh, within the realm of whatever game or activity that's being played and conducted to enhance a person's uh, view of themselves, enhance their view on the world, enhance their connection to their community. So, you know, summer camp is great, but this is doing something a little different that that's really uh, meant to help people move forward and, and conquer their own adversities. Check it out, people. Check out Journey Bound Counseling. You can find it online. We have a similar theme, except mine's not therapeutic at all, but a theme of getting out there, going outside, adventuring, being active. It is spring. I don't know if it's officially spring on the calendar, but whatever the calendar says, it's getting warmer out. Uh, And we can now do some more physical activities outside, away from the winter storms. And I, who live on a college campus, am beginning to see a lot of students playing basketball on the courts, throwing balls around, generally just chilling in the nice weather and the sun. And that makes me want to bring the culture of a very popular game, Spikeball. I'm sure many of the listeners who are listening right now have heard of Spikeball, have maybe played Spikeball. It's a big beach game. There's actually semi-pro teams, which is hilarious. Um, out there and I just think it's really fun and I think it's something I haven't really brought yet is like a physical activity to kind of get out of the room and maybe away from the books like we read all the time and sometimes it's nice to just set the book down and go do something outside. Clayton has rock climbing I know that for a fact and row you row don't you? Uh, I was rowing for a while I'm not really rowing really yeah. much these days but yeah but the game that i'm bringing is spike ball it's pretty simple you set up basically a net that stands on like five legs on the ground you get two teams of two you line up across from each other and you you have this little kind of yellow ball and you have to spike it into that and then volley it three times before you spike it into the net again and you you keep spiking it until somebody can't really recover a volley and that's it that's the whole game it's very simple it tears apart into this nice little backpack that you can carry almost anywhere, which is why it's such a fun beach game. Um, it's just super mobile. But yeah, I would highly suggest if you haven't heard of it, maybe go check it out at your local store, game store, Target, Walmart, whatever. It's like 60 bucks, I think. And mm. you'll probably use it for a long time because it's super easy to set up, super easy to play. And it takes like one round to learn. So your family or friends will pick it up right away. Sounds good. New games are always fun. Uh, we're obviously all about new games. Yeah. I'm, so, bringing, I'm bringing it to the next cabin retreat, bro. All right. You bring it to the wedding too, because we're going to do some yard games and stuff oh, like that. Yeah. Yeah, bring it. Well, that is our culture of the week, which means we're getting into the protein 
the beans, the meat, whatever source of protein you like, the main dish of the meal, the roll. Nope. Force. Yep. <laughs> I knew I was wrong as soon as I said it. Yeah, you started Forced. it, you pull it off. Forced entrollment, where we roll 2d20s, which are 20-sided dice. The person with the higher roll gets to defend whatever book or movie we're talking about. person with the lower roll gets to tear apart whatever book or movie we're talking about. There's a trivia question at the beginning, and if the asker asks too, uh, too tough of a question and it can't be answered, then the asker gets advantage, which means they get to roll two dice and pick whichever one they want, high or low, depending on how they feel about the material. And if the one getting asked gets it correctly, then they get the advantage. So Clayton, what book are we talking about this week and what trivia question you got for me? All right. We are talking about Jade City by Fonda Lee. For those of you who have never heard of Jade City or Fonda Lee, you must not have been paying attention to fantasy in 2018 because it was in the running in the finals for almost every major fiction award. Yeah. Um, so Jade City by Fonda Lee is essentially an urban fantasy I yeah, guess, I, I mean, it's it's clearly an urban fantasy, but I want to even characterize it as something else because there's like gunpowder fantasy. Urban fantasy to me always inspires like this this vision of like an Alex Virus, mm. uh, like a mage living in London. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but I guess by all technicalities, correct. If there's a if there's a subgenre tag to give to Jade City people out there who know fantasy better than me, let me know. I'm going to say it's urban fantasy because it's a fantasy that takes place in the modern day in a city. Set on the island nation, the fictional island nation of Kacon in the city of John Loon, which is sort of a Tokyo, Beijing type city, capital city of a major island nation in this fictional world. It clearly has inspiration from uh, China, Japan, Singapore, Korea, all kind of melded into this melting pot city. And it's run by a few uh, major families, crime families called the clans, uh, who again, remind me a lot of the Yakuza. Now, I don't know a lot, like, I don't know exactly where Fonda Lee got all her inspiration, but she definitely has some basis in the major families of Japan um, and the crime bosses there. The uh, mafia is over there. So uh, the two primary clans in John Loon are the No Peak Clan and the Mountain Clan. And they've kind of, they used to be allies back when there was a war for independence in KCON. The No Peak Clan and the Mountain Clan were kind of the spear point of driving off the Espanians who sort of remind me of the British uh, yeah. colonizers uh, in the colonial periods of, of history. So ever since then, they've kind of been the major powers in KCON. Now we're in the modern world a little more. Uh, global expansion is is starting to become an inevitable fact, uh, which again reminds me of Japanese history when you have like the Tokugawa era that had totally shut everybody out of Japan. And then the Meiji Restoration is like trying to open the open Japan back up to the world, learn from the Western world, and adopt those cultures before uh, they get left behind technologically and and stuff like that. 
So we're kind of in a period similar uh, in KCON where some people want to expand and, and let the outside world in a little more. And then a lot of uh, Kekanese are very like nationalist and want to keep the borders closed and kind of want to uh, just stay the way they are. And uh, we have the Mountain Clan is kind of more standing behind those ideals where they really want to like stay the way everything is. And the uh, No Peak Clan is a little more open to expanse and trade. And though they're still, you know, a major clan and they're definitely still pretty nationalist and running, running John Loon. So these two clans are kind of uh, perpetually at war and they're they're at war over the resource of jade mm -hmm. um in fonda lee's world jade grants people supernatural abilities sort of grants just this blanket of supernatural abilities like fonda lee doesn't explain the magic system a whole lot and we'll talk about that a little more but it's sort of just if you have jade you can be powerful um you're stronger you're faster you can jump higher all that sort of stuff, and you get some telekinetic abilities. The downside to Jade is that uh, you can only wear so much. You have to be a certain, like, you have to be strong. They call it being jaded um, but or green. But if you're not green enough or jaded enough, then you won't be able to handle certain levels of Jade. And too much Jade exposure kind of is like an opioid or meth. It, it definitely... Uh, destroys you like a drug and then you get addicted to it so there's a lot of people out there who get jade and shouldn't have jade and then they're addicted to it so it, it again some roots in uh in that chinese history of like the opium wars where uh you know you've got this major resource and uh it's a drug to a lot of people to other people it's power um and it's just less fig figurative in jade city and more literal because it grants actual power. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of the gist of it. You got your gangster families running this big city. It's in the modern day. And uh, got a clan war going on. So there's some actual street war, street violence. There's some political intrigue, both in KCON and outside of KCON, with the Asperians and some other nations. And uh, you've got all the, the uh, drama that happens within these really powerful and important families who are trying to uphold their legacies, trying to do their duties for their families. Some people are trying to not have to be slaves to their own families. Obviously not everybody wants that. So yeah, there's, there's a lot going on in Jade city. Um, is there anything you think I missed? That's about all I can say without getting into the debate portion. The only thing I would add is that, you can't go three reviews on Goodreads without reading a comparison to Mario Puzo's Godfather. True. It is. It is pretty Godfathery. Pretty much every, uh, so many reviewers, um, even some of the ones who were like on the awards board were like, this is the Godfather meets high fantasy. Which... Yeah. Or the Godfather with Kung Fu. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Agreed. It's but... It's definitely got some Godfather vibes. That is the only thing I would add. What is your trivia question for me? All right. So Jade City starts with the John Loon Underworld. Uh -huh. And they are working as dishwashers at a restaurant called the Twice Lucky, which yep. is a well-known establishment of the No Peak clan. Yep. Uh, one of those criminals is Barrow. Yep. 
and uh, Barrow becomes one of sort of the POV characters throughout the entire Green Bones saga. But this is where we meet him, and it's the first time he meets a member of the actual No Peak clan and kind of sends him on his vendetta against them. Yep. So Barrow steals some jade with his partner, and he actually gets the jade. He gets out of the bathroom where they had drugged a guy and ripped it out of ripped a jade earring out of his ear, mm-hmm. and he's running for the door. And he almost makes it. He's right on the precipice. He's got Jade, so he knows he can like jump off the balcony and probably make the landing. But right before he's able to jump, one of the members of the No Peak clan catches him by the scruff of the shirt. Mm. Who was it? Was it Make Ken? Call Lon? Make Tar? Or Call Hilo? I'm pretty sure it was one of the twins. So, where are the twins? Or are they just brothers? I can't remember. Um, They're bro- just brothers. Just I believe. brothers. It was one of the makes. Um, I'm gonna go with the. Uh, I'm probably wrong, but just because he doesn't become like the new uh, fist, I'm gonna go with um, make tar. You got it. Yay! Make tar. All right. Yep. <laughs> make tar is the one who catches Barrow by the scruff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All I'm right. right. Though he guess. He's the one that doesn't become. Uh, that doesn't replace Hilo, right? The horn. He does what? not replace Hilo in Jade City. No. Yeah, I think Ken becomes the horn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Jade City. Cool. Hey, I got one. Advanced. You did. <laughs> I that was. A, I thought that was a good one too. That was a good one. Not an easy one, but also not. Not like arbitrary, like my next trivia question probably will be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Prepare for next episode. Mine's going to be hard. All right, here we go. All right. Good Lord, what did you roll? Uh, I rolled an eight. Oh, I'm barely higher. (laughs) Nice. I'm barely higher. All right. Defensive Jade City starts in five, four, three, two, one timer is going i mean thank the lord <laughs> i rolled higher because this there's a reason this book was like nominated for nearly every award possible um in in the, like fantasy fiction because it just is so well done it has super compelling action sequences that keep you glued to the page it has a in-depth understanding of character development i mean even just we're gonna get into spoiler range there's not a whole lot of ways to talk about jade city without getting into spoilers i don't think so i thought it was absolutely beautiful and i actually have a friend who disagrees with me that call long kind of starts off as your main protagonist and someone that is definitely the most interesting character from the beginning and you you're really compelled to follow him and then halfway through the book he's dead and it yeah. kind of it shakes you up it jars you and you're like oh no like hero's not as interesting as lion like neither is shay shay and, and they're the main characters now and i gotta follow them and emery like oh man i was i was waiting for land to to win back his clan <laughs> but in doing so finally gives the space that is it's it's like you're actually following how the clan would feel about this event because all eyes are on land and she puts you in that in that narrative space where you're focused on him and then he's gone and all eyes turn to Hilo 
And as a reader, you're like, this brute is not going to make it. <laughs> and the sister is not going to want to do this. And you follow them as they kind of come to this realization of we have to work together. I have Shay, I have to be the part of Wan that was the brains and Hilo kind of saying like, I have to be the part of land that was not backing down to our grandfather. So I think that's where this, this book really stands on a super solid foundation is um, its character development is next level. Even the side characters have great contributions to the story. You really get a feel for Make Ken and Make Tar. Um, you even get a feel for Make Wen. She's not in it a ton, but you start to really understand her as a character by the end of the book. Um, it is a trilogy, so there is a lot of like setup for different things. And the last thing I'll say before I kind of turn it over is the world is really well fleshed out. And the way it, I think what, what finally did really well is keeping it in a single city. Um, I loved the Poppy War, but one of the biggest problems I had with the Poppy War was it jumped a little too much for me. It was a big whole nation conflict and I never felt like I got a feel for each place that the main protagonists went to. I think Fonda Lee keeping it in just this one island city with this rich history and a real like feel to it. Um, almost like, you know, this there's a gritty grind to it, but there's also like a clear class distinction in different areas. And you can really feel yourself walking through those streets when she describes them. I think that really lent to the story of you investing in the conflicts of this this world along with how much you've developed the characters both side characters and primary characters but yeah i really just think jade city is a book you you definitely see as you're reading it and feel every moment as a reader because it's so narratively well crafted mm -hmm. i get my main problem with jade city is this i thought i was going to be reading a fantasy book and I was reading a gangster book. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. Like, on Jade City is not really a fantasy book. Like, you have Jade, which grants some supernatural powers, but that's literally it. And Fonda Lee, like, doesn't even uh, describe. Like, she doesn't explain the magic system or anything, which is okay under cer certain circumstances for sure and like i would have been okay with that even but i just don't really like this kind of book i'm not really like i didn't watch the sopranos the godfather you know it's like a good movie but it's still not my kind of movie i'm just not really that into gangster stuff and i'm also not that into urban fantasy in general we've talked about this before with the alex beerus series but I kind of like to keep guns and stuff out of my fantasy. I'm okay with people exploring whatever they want in the genre. Like, go for it. But it's not what I'm going to read. Um, so when I got into the Greenbone Saga, I was expecting a little more fantasy elements to it. Um, and really, the only one that's there is, is the Jade. Other than that, there's nothing fantasy about it. So... I guess it goes back to like the George George Martin is kind of like a, a big proponent of you know everything's just furniture and the story's what matters and I agree with that to an extent but I guess if I'm going into a book thinking it's in a genre that I enjoy um, and we've talked about this before too you kind of expect to see some of the things 
that cements a book into that genre. And I don't see any of that in Jade City aside from the Jade. And that still is almost more akin to like Kung Fu movies to me. Uh, the classic like kung fu movies which again not even a fan the only difference being in those kung fu movies they don't explain how somebody can jump like 17 stories up and kick somebody in the face it's just something they can do <laughs> but in jade city i guess at least they she they she gives them some some green rocks mm. it's useful as a status symbol i like the uh i like the representation that jade plays as a, a thing that's both power and corruption in one in one rock just like money is just like gold is uh, in the real world i don't know it's not really much of a fantasy and i was expecting a little more of a fantasy and a little less of just a gangster kung fu book i guess which again to each their own but that's not really my style so i didn't really like jade city for that reason another thing i didn't like and this this expands into the larger series so maybe I shouldn't bring it up. Uh, yes. Let's yeah. let's just address the first one. Uh, We're focused on the book. So old. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? You're gonna like okay boomer me right now? Is I'm gonna okay doing? boomer you. I'm gonna okay you boomer would. you because the fantasy fantasy genre has been morphing forever, bro. Come on, like your boy George Martin started this with the whole kickoff of the uh grimdark fantasy sort of elements this has been coming and i think jade city does it incredibly well i think there are some of those tropes and stuff i think the magic system is pretty well explained at the college is it's it's explained as well as it needs to be and i think finally did a really good job of that what i really love about the jade is that she did something that i haven't really seen a lot in fantasy and that's give the characters a physical relationship with their magical abilities not this kind of ethereal mental thing not um softer hard magic system but a physical this is a physical object that gives me a thing that if i take too much of it i'm going to die um and that is so cool in my opinion i don't think it's been done it's been done before in fantasy but not this well and i really think you're there are a lot of fantasy elements there. Yes, they have the skin of like a godfather or a kind of classic kung fu movie, which I will fight back hard on that. Those movies are fantasy. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is a fantasy film. And like, just because it was made in Asia doesn't mean it's not. <laughs> um, oh, I'm not saying that it's not. I'm saying there's no explanation for the abilities and stuff. Yeah, that's fair. They usually just have them. That's what I said. Yeah, but I, I did not say that, because like, it's in Asia, it's not. Fonda Lee is like blending those two styles. He's blending that Eastern tradition, um, flying around, kung fu fighting, wire fighting, with that Western, more Tolkien esque, you know, magic stuff. I think it's a it's a perfect blend of these two different fantasy worlds, and I think. Well, what what anything else is fantasy about it other than superpowers? Uh, you have a fictional world that is steeped hardcore in the lore of this magic. You have backstory interludes that provide history of this created universe. You have stories of gods within those interludes and how this world came to be in different religions that people either do or do not believe in. And I could go on, except it's Board Game of the Week! Board Game of the Week! <laughs> Uh, 
impressive. I could have kept going. I had I had breath for days right there. Yeah, I have I had breath for defending Jade City. You did. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll get to what we actually think about it after we talk about the board game of the week, which is what? Mystic Veil. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mystic Veil. Tell us about Mystic Veil. You're the one who plays it more. I've played it once. Yeah. Mystic Veil is another, like, combat card game, although I would argue Mystic Veil is a little more of a parallel play deck builder type game than, like, Magic, where you literally battle each other's monsters. Mystic Veil is more like you're trying to build the most powerful world. Um, you're creating your own realm mm-hmm. and populating it with creatures. What I love about Mystic Veil is it is literally a deck builder. Um, most card games uh, that you play, you draw cards, you know, and you add them to your hand if it's a deck builder or whatever. But Mystic Veil is unique in that you actually build cards. So there's your main playing cards that you get at the beginning of the game are like uh they're transparent at the front they have your color on the back and then the front is transparent and then you can slide up to three other cards in their position top center and bottom from the play deck so there's like a play deck with three tiers of power um all denoted by higher costs of course and as you play you can buy cards um you you have to buy them so they fit in with other positions of other cards you've bought and as you buy new things you add them to the cards you have and your cards get more powerful that way mm-hmm. um, it's kind of hard to describe but i'll i'll post the link to a playthrough in the description um but it's really fun yeah you literally build your cards you literally build your deck uh there's there's a bunch of different creatures and powers and you can combine them in all kinds of unique ways and then you can also buy veils which are like uh you know part of the land that you're building and they also increase your power so yeah you just uh you try to build the best realm and you play till till somebody accomplishes that it's really fun yeah i mean i really enjoyed it everything you said i have nothing to really add it was cool to like literally build your cards like you say and just for the inside joke of it there's a card called bear totem bear totem it's really fun to say bear totem yeah, you got to say it like that, though. And I've been saying it like that ever since. Just bear totem. Bear totem. Um, it's the only way to say it. Indeed. Yeah, I, I really have nothing else to add. It's a very fun game. Cool card builder. I would say the one thing, it seemed to move slow, but I don't know. Is that true? It, it seemed like a game that takes mm. a bit of time. Well, when we played it, we played it three players, and we played it with two beginners and one person who knew what they were doing. True. Albeit, that person was me. And I'm not the best at describing how games work. As any listener of the podcast would know from our horrendous descriptions on a weekly basis of how (laughs) forced entrollment works. Um, That's true. We we suck at describing that. It's really not that complicated of a game, but we have so much trouble describing it. Um, I'm not good at describing games. So I think that's what slowed it down really was mostly that. Can we go on a mild tangent here? Um, you know sure. what one of my least favorite things is? Is when what? is when there's like you're discret you're there's two people who know the game in the room and mm-hmm. you start describing the rules and like the other person just keeps jumping in. Mm-hmm. Like doesn't give you your time to like finish your thought processes of like going through the rules in a certain order. I don't know. That's a pet peeve of mine. 
It really, it really irritates me sometimes. Yeah, Deanna hates that too, which is why I'm trying to stop doing it. Uh, <laughs> oh, I've never noticed that you do it. <laughs> I don't know that I've done it to you too much, but I've definitely found myself doing it to Deanna. Uh, not good at, yeah. All around, I'm not the guy you want in the room when you're uh, explaining a game. So I've been trying to just zip the lip, let her do it. She's better at it. <laughs> well, but yeah. Well, let's get to what we actually think about Jade City. Yeah, that was my tangent. Um, so, I mean, that was less of a tangent and just a statement, but here we go. Jade go. City. Jade uh, City. I go first because I had to attack it, and I want to go get right into it because I'm very sorry, Fonda Lee, for even, like, trying to say something against your beautiful, beautiful book. Um, this book is awesome. <laughs> it's so good. I can't can't babble on enough about how much i love jade city i lied about everything i don't care about any of that stuff and i would have okay boomered me as well yeah. i actually stole that argument directly from a friend of mine who totally is one of those people who's like if it's not source and sorcery it's not fantasy <laughs> and i'm like shut up dude like, shut up that's dumb um, is that is that friend listening <laughs> probably not if he is uh wally you're dumb and so are your opinions. It's Wally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Wally's totally like that, dude. Love that. Wally, your opinions are dumb. And um, I, I couldn't disagree stronger with my argument there. It's just, it's literally the only one I could, I could think of. I was really hoping to not roll lower on this one because, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Uh, especially the character work is just phenomenal. Um, I love the call on setup and the uh, when call on dies, you're like. It's exactly like you said. I felt that way. You, It puts you in the shoes of the clan. Because for like half the book, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy, this is the guy. You know, he's, he's yep. the only guy who can do it. And then when he dies, you're like, okay, well, <laughs> who do I, care I guess about? we're screwed. Because yep. um, you got Call Hilo, and he's he's like, uh, he's really good on the streets. He's a fighter. But he that's kind of all you really know about him before call lawn dies because that's kind of how everybody sees him you get to see a little bit of his like emotional and sensitive side when he's with win um and when he's with the make brothers and they're not killing people uh yeah. you can see that he's like a good he's a guy who has inspired trust and loyalty in a lot of people um and that's why he's the horn at such a young age but uh, and those for for those who have not read Jade City, when we say the horn or a finger or the pillar, those are all titles of the clans. So you have the pillar, who's like the head of the clan. You have the horn, who is like the chief enforcer. And then you have the fists and the fingers, who are like the chief enforcer's goons and uh, thugs. Yeah, I think and I, I would have taken that argument from another person because i have a friend um monica who just finished the chapter where lom dies and she literally was like i've never thrown a book like that before in a long time mm -hmm. he killed her most interesting character i don't know if i even want to read this anymore and i was like please do because i felt Definitely the same do. way mm -hmm. and then like she, she she flips the script and hilo and shay become just as interesting if not more interesting than lom was and it's mm -hmm. so cool because like the argument I made, you just you're in the eyes of the rest of the clan. You're almost like a citizen of the city who's like, that's our guy. And then, oh, no, 
we're screwed. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you have to watch them figure out how to not have no peak fall. And then can we, I didn't get to it, but can we talk about that ending? How, man, she just like two times in this novel, she subser- subverts expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause More, you, yeah. the Emery thing with, with Hilo. When he doesn't take his jade at the graduation. Yeah. And Hilo mm-hmm. like shuts him out. Yeah. Classic Hilo. That was such a cool, like setup for the next book as well as um, I didn't, I didn't, see it yeah i mean it's great i and it makes sense i mean you know throughout the whole story and in emery and in his uh, cousin to the clan for those who haven't read jt he uh they get to the end and he's the whole time kind of wanting to separate from his family doesn't really want to be a killer doesn't really want to be a uh a, a gangster basically mm-hmm. um and at the end, when he's offered a really prestigious honor by the clan in front of everybody, in front of the nation, basically, he didn't, he, you know, refuses to take it and then gets publicly uh, outlawed from his clan, more or less. Which, you know, he's kind of ostracized the whole book in a lot of ways because he's from a disreputable family and he's uh, homosexual. So there's a lot of like things that Emery Anden has to deal with, especially in book one. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a great character for that reason. He's really the facing a lot of adversity and trying to stay noble in this bloodthirsty family that he's a part of. And it's interesting to see where where he goes after book one for sure. Yeah, and you finished the series, so and you you've told me that it stays just as good, if not better. So I'm really excited to keep going. Um, mm-hmm. But the prizes I saw are pretty much my, my highest praises of Jade City. Is It has phenomenal character work, and I do think her world is well fleshed out, which is something I think is done the least correctly in fantasy. Even good fantasy books I like, like I've mentioned The Poppy War, and a couple others, I'm trying to think of examples right now, don't do the world building as well as I would like, where I, I don't feel sometimes i just kind of autofill a world in like mm-hmm. you know oh i guess this the way they're describing it i guess it kind of looks like something from skyrim cool that's in my mm-hmm. head i'm good i'm right. good at that well and there's two it, sides of the coin right there's way too much explanation too yeah um, it has to be that balance yeah because when i was reading the dragon bone chair actually was really not a fan because there are so many just lengthy exposition dumps in that book Mm. and i'm just like so over books like that that just exposition dump on me i'm like Mm -hmm. i do not need to know the whole story like there's other ways to do this you know Mm -hmm. and i'm trying to read what the characters are doing and like whenever every conversation turns into an exposition dump i'm just sort of like all right guy uh that's not how people talk to each other yeah i think unless they're in a history class yeah i think the best fantasy stories that in my opinion the ones that suck me in the most uh like jade city like wheel of time are the ones that kind of expect the reader to be a bit like improv like yes and Mm -hmm. um because i sing the praises of the wheel of time first prologue all the time because you're 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 put in this building that's just scattered with dead bodies. There's an insane guy who doesn't see the bodies and is like calling for his wife, even though he like stepped over her corpse. 
and then mm. some other evil dude shows up and is like wow you're completely crazy i've done what i was supposed to do and if you don't as a reader say for a second like cool i love this i have no idea what's going on but let's keep going mm-hmm. you're gonna lose that story and i think that's the best world building and i think fonda lee does that quite a bit of like what is jade i have no idea but it's like glued into this man's chest and for some reason because he has it he can like throw a guy across the room i love mm-hmm. that let's keep going <laughs> you know yeah and, uh, i she does great at it because that's exactly it it's seeing it in the subtle nuances of how people act um in what people value and what they care about what they talk about i think that's what she does best is it's always in people's conversations would sound totally normal not like these lengthy diatribes of one guy to another telling this history of something like there's never a point in jade city where somebody spends like two pages telling us where jade came from mm-hmm. and like when the first guy used jade was this guy and you need to know all this mm-hmm. and it's more like like from page one they're calling each other like kk and stuff and like mm-hmm. we never actually learn where that comes from but i mean you just can assume it's a, a slang term for like a fellow kekanese person it, it seems like homie or something mm-hmm. you know uh but there's never an explanation of it but immediately you're just in the dialect of the city you're in the dialect of the people and again she doesn't really explain why jade does what it does it doesn't matter why it matters that it does mm-hmm. and she does explain how it works enough like all you need to know about jade is like it makes you really strong but don't use too much of it and that's all you need you know yeah and i think that's another contribution to her making you one of the citizens of the city right because you know that like we know as a people like if you get shot by a gun you'll die you know I don't need to understand all the mechanics of how a gun works to know that I don't want to get shot by a gun. Yeah, you don't need a master's degree in ballistics to know that cannon bad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Gun bad. If somebody points a gun at me and they, they seem like they're going to shoot it at me, then I should probably do what they say. And I probably don't want to shoot a gun at somebody because I will kill them. You know, Jade is jade is like that it's like you don't need to understand every single thing about it and the it's such a part of their culture it's been around forever so they don't know either Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. why necessarily they just know that it is and that's all you need and i think that was beautifully done uh i again i it was like the only thing I could think of. And the whole time I was arguing that I was like, this is a stupid argument. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know the truth now and the audience knows the truth. And we're telling you all, we both suggest uh, go out and read the Greenbone saga. Uh, Clayton's done with it. I'm on book two and I can't wait to pick it up again. I just have to keep reading some other books that we're, we're talking about on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jade City by Fonda Lee, the first book in the Greenbone saga. Highly recommend. Yeah. Yeah, what do you want to rate it? Oh, yeah. Uh, out of eight. And again, just a quick explanation, we do a system of eight because ten's not ten's too many and five's not enough. Yeah. Um, I, oh, man. 
It's an eight for me. I'm not afraid to say it. After reading the whole Greenbone saga. Um, that's where that's where I'm at. I don't know if it's a seven point five or an eight, because there are a few like first book kind of feeling things to it where I'm like, oh, this is like clearly set up, but so it's not like fully fleshed out yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh it is. I'll give it a seven point five with a tentative point five raise once I finish the series. I don't like the point five. Why are we putting point five in there? And we're doubling do, it. You never do halves? No. Seven okay. or eight. All right, all right, all right. Then it might as well be a 16 point system. Give it an eight, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I the love first it. eight. I couldn't put it down. It was great. No, it's it's my favorite series since Lock Lamora. Uh since Gentleman Bastards this year, for sure, hands down. Sweet. All right. Yeah. You have our ranking. You hopefully have our links in the description. You will. Uh, you will have those. You will have those. Make sure to check out <laughs> Make sure you check out Journeybound Counseling, as well as go to your local game store and buy yourself a, as well as go to your local game store or convenience store. Honestly, they're everywhere. Buy yourself a spike ball set. But yeah, that is about all we have. You Don't you think, Clay? That's all we have. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, to Sinister Soup. We'll see you next week. I've been Clay Vermolum. And I've been Travis Vermolum. And we are both. Still those people. Bye. Goodbye.